Trust you found your places. We're tonight in the book of James, chapter 5. James, chapter 5. And I'll be reading tonight from verse 10 to 11. James, chapter 5, verse number 10. The Bible says, Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity that we have to look into your word tonight. We're thankful for the privilege that we have to gather as your people and to sing praises to your name, to tell of your goodness, your wonderful work to the children of men. Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth tonight, that each heart would be fertile soil to receive what you have for us tonight. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would use this word in a mighty way to accomplish your will and purpose, that you would strengthen each and every heart. For those who are discouraged, I pray that you would strengthen them and pray that you would meet each need. We know that your word is able to accomplish just that. And I pray that you would give me precisely the words you'll have me to say on this occasion and that you would use it for your honor and for your glory. Take full control and have your divine way. Save some lost soul. Stir the hearts of every believer. And may your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You will be seated. From the minute you and I are born... God has placed something within us that gives us a desire to learn about this great big world in which he has allowed us to be birthed. Some of that learning is done through observation, through exploration, through experimentation. Just this afternoon, My wife was on a video call with our niece, who's not yet one year, and she was just busy crawling around and looking at everything and touching everything as a young infant would do. And my wife said to me, what is it that makes these babies want to crawl and to stand and to then take that first step and to just look at everything and touch everything? Is there something instinctive that God has placed in us with a desire to learn? But much of this learning throughout the course of our lives happens not just through our own observation and exploration and experimentation, but much of it is acquired through good old-fashioned teaching. 
Teaching is most often intentional guidance and instruction. And I know that we have a number of teachers in our midst. And I myself was a school teacher at different levels. And even in preaching as a pastor, you're also engaged in the aspect of teaching. But one of the very important strategies, and I'm sure any teacher would tell you, of teaching and effective teaching is to utilize examples. And what makes examples so effective and powerful is that examples oftentimes use the existing knowledge of the learner to reinforce or highlight a new principle that is being taught. Or the example might illustrate by practical application what has already or what has just been taught. You see, examples help us to see what is being said. James uses a similar strategy in our text, as we will see here tonight. Because in verses 7 up to verse 10, as we, 9 rather, as we saw last week, he's providing an exhortation to the believers regarding the importance of having a Christ-centered mindset. And we looked at this matter last week in the broader theme of this chapter as we've seen the matter of stewardship. Stewardship. And James, after outlining in verses 1 to 6 the danger of being corrupted by materialism, he says, rather than having that mindset, I want you to have a Christ-centered mindset. And he says, this Christ-centered mindset is first of all centered and rooted in the fact that this God who has given us a number of resources to be good stewards of, one day he is coming back. And he's going to call us into account regarding our stewardship. And he, so he says, regarding this Christ-centered mindset, have at the forefront of your mind the return of the Lord. Verse number 7, he says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Recognize that we are here only for a temporary period. And God is going to hold us accountable for our stewardship. We saw that God, while here, we are here on earth, provides us the resources for living. He says we have to trust God for the results of our labor. And ultimately, while we are often distracted by who's doing what and who has what, listen, God is only going to ask you about reporting on your own lot. He's not going to ask you about what somebody else did. He's not going to ask you about how much did they have. He's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave to you? And understand that this God is keeping an account. Described it as a righteous ledger. He says, the judge standeth before the door. Verse number nine. This was James giving an exhortation. 
But pivot with me here tonight, as we see in the verses that we read, after giving them this exhortation, he then gives them examples to support what he had just taught. Look at verse number 10. He says, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, look at this, for an what? An example of suffering and of patience. And tonight we're going to take a look at these examples because James says, I've taught you the, the principle. In other words, I've given you what we would say the theory. Now let me help you understand with the practical. Those of you who do the science subjects and others, you, you would know that there's a time when you, 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 you test. Make sure you understand the principle, the theory. And then you have a time where you have to do the practical application of what you have been taught. Right, young people? They call them the SBAs. And so tonight we'll look at in detail at the examples that James wanted us to understand and pay close attention to, to acquire this Christ-centered mindset. He wants us to understand, listen, what I've taught you, it is real, and it has been practiced, and it has been implemented, it has been applied, and has been proven to work. So let's look at some examples here tonight. He says, take first of all, the prophets. And tonight I want us to look briefly at two prophets. I mean, we could have chosen from a slew of prophets in the Old Testament who James was referring to. But let's look at two simply, two tonight. First of all, let's look at Elijah. Elijah, great prophet of the Lord, who stood up against the wicked king Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel. Look with me at 1 Kings chapter 18. We're familiar with these stories, but I want us to see specifically in the word of God how these prophets were good stewards, had a Christ-centered mindset. And James was specifically referring to these individuals and others. But in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 1 and 2, look what the Bible says. It says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. In the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. He was obedient, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. Understand that God says to Elijah, I want you to confront Ahab. Now, don't take this lightly or mildly. This was no easy request. Because Ahab... With the support of his wife Jezebel, they were killing prophets. Look at verse number four. Just so you understand that when God gives a command, it's not always easy to carry out from a human perspective. It says, For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord. And just to help you understand, this cutting off means to cut them off from the face of the earth. Took away their lives. That Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by a fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And so the request that God has given to Elijah to go before this same Ahab, I mean, must have caused a 
a little flutter in his heart. But look at verse number 17. Elijah boldly goes before this same king who is seeking to destroy him and others. And the Bible says in verse number 17, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, and I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that he have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. And we have here the, the precursor to this famous story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, requesting the prophets of Baal to come up against the one true living God. The message is that this is a response of a man who was a steward. Look at the response of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah surrendered to the call of God as a youth. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when you hear the name Jeremiah, do you think of a young person or do you think of an old person? I mean, we think that Jeremiah has this long gray beard with this walking stick and he says, Obey the word of the Lord in his old age. <laughs> but look at Jeremiah chapter 1 to help us understand that Jeremiah was called as a youth. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1. The Bible says in verse no, chapter 1, verse number 1, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 30, 30th year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Jedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Wow. So God calls Jeremiah as a young person. I want us to understand tonight the response of these individuals. And Jeremiah had a very difficult task. He was called to speak the word of the Lord to a stiff, naked people. I mean, sometimes we as pastors lament the fact that you preach the word of God time and time again and People don't listen. And, but Jeremiah was called to a nation to speak to them. I mean, and you can hardly tell of more than, I mean, converts that you can count on your hand. Look with me at Second Chronicles chapter 36. The fact that Jeremiah had a very difficult task. Look at verse number 12. Speaking of Zedekiah. 
And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet speaking from the mouth of the Lord. And he rebelled against the king Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. And the nation of Israel followed suit. I'm helping us to understand here that the response to obey God is not always easy. But these prophets obeyed God nonetheless. Look at one more example who James cited. He spoke of Job. We're very familiar with the book of Job and the life of Job. And in Job chapter 1 and verse 20, I want you to notice the response of Job to all of his calamities. I mean, after he had lost everything, lost all of his family, his children, lost his possessions. He says in verse number 20, chapter 1, Job. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Wow. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I mean, can we say that it's easy for us to worship when things are going wrong? No. That's the time when we think, God, I'm excused from worshiping you today because things are not going well. But Job responded by worshiping. Now that we've looked at the response of these men of God, I want you to notice the result. For the sake of time, let's look back at Elijah. In 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 1 to 4, right after Elijah had had this major victory on Mount Carmel, I mean, he was forced to run and go into quarantine and go into isolation. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Elijah was suffering. He was isolated. He was afflicted. Look at Jeremiah as another example. In chapter 37 of Jeremiah, and verses 11 to 16, we're familiar with these stories, but I want us to actually see what these men of God suffered as a result of their response to obey God, to follow God, to be obedient. Jeremiah was thrown into prison into a dungeon chapter 37 and verse 11 the Bible says and it came to pass when the army of the Chaldeans was broken up 
from Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army. Then Jeremiah went forth out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to separate himself thence in the midst of the people. Drop down to verse number 15. Wherefore, the princes were wroth with Jeremiah and smote him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. When Jeremiah was entered into the dungeon and into the cabins, and Jeremiah remained there many days. We ought not to think it strange when we suffer for the sake of doing right. Verse number 21. I mean, look at what they fed Jeremiah. Then Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah into the court of the prison and that they should give him daily a piece of bread out of the baker's street until all the bread in the city was spent. Can you imagine all day having a piece of bread? Chapter 38 and 1 to 6. We don't have the time to look at all this, but look at verse number 6 for the sake of time. They took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the son of Hamelech, that was in the court of the prison, and they let down Jeremiah with cords, and in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Wow. The result of doing right. The result of obeying God. The result of being a good steward. Job, chapter 16 and verse number 2. We know that Job is a result of his faithfulness to God. To worship in the time of great difficulty. Was ridiculed by his wife to curse God and die. She thought that was a, listen, that's an easy way out, Job. Why go through all this suffering? Job was ridiculed by his so-called friends. So much so that in Job chapter 16 and verse 2, he called them miserable comforters. Any of you got some miserable friends? I know know you're not going to say it too loud because that's not a nice... Those two words don't even go together. I mean, why have friends if they're going to be miserable? But this was the result of what Job had to experience as a result of worshiping God as a result of being true to the one who he knew. James gives these wonderful examples for a reason. Because he says, I want you to understand that there is a price for doing right. We've observed the response. We've seen the result of their suffering and of their patience. But I want us to notice finally tonight the reward. God is faithful. And oftentimes we want the crown, but we don't want the cross. Look back at James chapter 5. And you see, when it comes to these men of God and these people of God, we see the end result, and I intentionally wanted us to look at what they went through 
before they reached and arrived at the reward. Look at what James says in verse number 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You think James was saying we count them happy because they were going through suffering and affliction and because they were ridiculed and because they were put into a dungeon and they were sinking in the mire? No, he said we count them happy which endure because after they endured, God reward them and bless them abundantly. That's why we can say we are happy that they endured. We count them happy. Which endured. Elijah. We know in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11. He was translated. I mean God says to me. You have been such a faithful prophet. Listen I'm not even going to allow you to see death. I'm going to call you up. Into my very presence. What a reward. But that reward didn't just happen just like that. Look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the one who was ridiculed, the one who was put in a dungeon, the one who was left in all that muck and mire. In the face of captivity, the Babylonian captivity, in Jeremiah chapter 39, understand that when Nebuchadnezzar and his armies came, they destroyed the city of Jerusalem with all the destruction and with all of the mourning and with all of that took place, God preserved Jeremiah in the midst of it all that these heathen attackers says, listen, you don't touch him. You don't put your hand on him. That's the preservation of God for their faithfulness to him in the face of difficulty. I want you to see this very quickly and I'm closing here. Look at Jeremiah chapter 39. Because we have to put these things into practice when the going gets tough. Look at verse number 11 of Jeremiah chapter 39. And I love this. Because you think of the ministry of Jeremiah. I mean, from an earthly standpoint, we would say, man, his ministry was a failure. I mean, you preach and you preach and you preach from your youth to your uh, an old person. Uh, and nobody's listening to you. Whether people listen to you or not, God is watching. And listen, God didn't call you to make, to make people listen. God called you to preach his word. People will make a decision as to whether they are going to listen or not. In verse number 11 of Jeremiah chapter 39, understand that, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is coming to plunder. He is coming to cause destruction uh, under the hand of God to inflict judgment on God's people. And you wonder, I mean, this was not the day and age of technology. I mean, he never saw Jeremiah on the latest evening news. But when he comes to Jerusalem, 
this king of Babylon, look at verse number 11, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, saying, take him and look well to him and do him no harm, but unto him even as he shall say unto thee. I mean, you have this heathen king coming to Jeremiah and saying, listen, do him no harm, but whatever he tells you to do, do it. What a God. It pays to serve God. It pays to honor God. It pays to be obedient to God even in the face of opposition and ridicule. Wow. And then we know the story of Job. In Job chapter 42, God vindicated Job. God says, Job, amidst all of the criticism and all of the ridicule and all those who were saying that this was my chastisement upon you because of evil deeds, I knew your heart. I knew your faithfulness to me. James chapter 40, Job rather, chapter 42, verses 12 to 17 outlines the fact that the Bible says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. God gave him double for his trouble. And look at verse number 16. You want to live long? Serve God to the best of your ability. I mean, I'm not saying that because somebody dies younger. God has a divine plan and purpose. But look at verse number 16. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. There's a reward. But the reward comes about as a result of responding appropriately to what God says. That, my friend, is the essence of good stewardship. And James says, I've given you the exhortation, but let me show you some practical, real examples that will encourage you along this path. It's not always easy. It won't always be a bed of roses. As we've seen, there are circumstances that are going to arise that sometimes are going to shake us. And God understands in our humanity, we will cry out. We might be a little discouraged. But let's recognize that God is faithful. And God will reward so wherever it is you are, whatever it is God is saying to you, I encourage you, stick with God. Stand with God. And God will prove himself faithful and true. Let's endeavor to put on a Christ-centered mindset, knowing that God will honor himself in our lives bring about honor and glory to his name and blessings upon our lives.